the Business Buzz Podcast. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. Good evening and welcome. This is the Business Buzz right here on VAW FM 88.1. My name is Mudiwa Mob, Justice Kavaz, and I'll be your host for the show tonight. We're going to be broadcasting from now until about 7 p.m., so definitely make sure you don't turn that dial. Voice of Vits is the name of the station, and we're broadcasting live from our studios right here in Bramfontein, Johannesburg. And who's to say that business can't be entertaining? Uh, hold on to your seats as we unpack uh, what seems to be very complicated economic issues uh, and we make them relevant to you. Uh, today we're going to remain relevant to you as our listeners, as our audience uh, by talking about the issue of wealth. What does it mean to be wealthy in South Africa? What does it mean to be rich or a high net worth individual? I think recently I heard quite an interesting distinction between um, what it means to be rich versus what it means to be wealthy. They say that um, to be rich is to have a lot of money. Whereas to be wealthy is to have a lot of money and know what to do with it. I love that definition. Another way that I can uh, talk about this one, I once heard that if you are talking about rich versus wealthy think about the most famous um, athlete you know so let's say for example uh, Cristiano Ronaldo I think at the moment he is the highest paid um, soccer player in the world Um, and someone said someone like Cristiano Ronaldo can have um, the highest salary in uh, all football leagues across the world but the wealthy person is the person who's able to sign the check to the highest paid athlete in the world. Just some food for thought as we begin our show. Uh, but tell us what you think about the issue of wealth. Um, what does it mean for you? Is it something you aspire to? I think we all aspire to have a lot of money. But in terms of wealth, what are we doing to grow that wealth? Uh, let us know what you think. On Facebook, we are Val FM Voice of Vids. And we also have our own Facebook page. That's the business buzz and then on twitter we are at vow fm our hashtag is hashtag business buzz whatsapp that's 0840784912 and you can also stream the station live on vowfm.co.za remember that podcasts of the business buzz show are available on journalism.co.za so definitely make sure you keep it locked we're here until 7 p.m as i said so don't turn that dial on the other side of this we're getting into our business wrap and we have our financial expert Desiree Rakabia, who's going to be joining us for that. Keep it locked. This is The Business Buzz. The, the Business Buzz. Welcome back. This is The Business Buzz. Today we're talking about uh, the issue of wealth. What does it mean to be a wealthy person in South Africa? And I feel like one of the ways you can actually become wealthy in South Africa is just uh, keeping yourself up to date with what's going on in and around the world of business and commerce. And on the line to help us to do this in our business wrap, we have our uh, financial expert. Uh, we have Desiree Ragabir, who is a financial planner with BDO uh, Wealth Advisors, uh, on the line to just uh, run us through some of the top trending business and economics news that are affecting us this week. How are you, Des? I'm fine with you. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Um, as I, as yes. we begin, as we begin our our discussion today, I understand that we've recently reached quite a milestone in the world of banking. 
Yes, um, during the course of this week, Bank South Africa, the Economic Transaction Index, we refer to it as Betty, they have released or confirmed that banking transactions in SA were million milestone. Now, that's banking transactions alone. So it's not currency, you know, rand dollar terms. It's just the transactions. That is and a lot. that's quite interesting. Yeah, that is a lot. Um, and very interesting during this time where, you know, everyone's concerned about growth trends, where we are, what what do we look forward to for the rest of the year, 2018, you know, 2017 wasn't great. Um, so this is a quick, fast uh, way of looking at what what to expect. And, and these figures, uh, this 100 million transaction, this figure supports the view that um, the downward phase um, of, of the business cycle. You know, we've been experiencing the second longest downward phase. Um, with these figures, we, it seems that it, it's now coming to an end. And then in terms of that, um, what does it actually mean for our people? Has it uh, spurred any type of international interest? Are there any other bodies that are commenting on this? Or is it just a nice milestone to say that we've done 100 million transactions? Yeah, so firstly, it, it's indicative of, of you know, there's the growth trends. So people are obviously spending more. There's more banking that's happening. Also, you know, I think I think there was an inflow of, of transactions due to the VAT increase, you know, before the 1st of April. For me personally, I, I really think that that had some, some <laughs> form, you know, during uh, Feb, March. Um, then also based on that, the World Bank during the week, you know, they announced or, or commented that they, they're positive for SA growth. So although we're lagging behind in, in other emerging markets amongst our peers, because we are seen as an emerging market, um, there is still some positive growth trends that, that we can look to. So if we know um, Treasury um, are interest is expecting growth in 2018 or they're pegging it at around 1.5 percent reserve bank uh, the south african reserve bank is expecting about 1.7 percent the world bank is not as uh, optimistic they're saying around 1.2 but um you know i think it's it's just the right reach the growth figures and then uh, coming off of that, because we're talking about uh, the international, uh, the international uh, community actually commenting on South Africa's uh, economic growth, how has South Africa mm-hmm. been uh, affected by some of the other world events? Because we hear that there's a lot of uh, political tension uh, that's causing quite a bit of turmoil um, on the markets internationally. Is that affecting us, Putin versus Trump? Yes, it, it definitely has an impact, a, a big impact uh, on the South African market, on our currency. Uh, during this week, we've been hearing a lot about the geopolitical tension between US and Russia, between Donald Trump and uh, President Putin. And uh, you know, also oil prices have been affected. Oil has been at its all-time high um, in the last few years. So that's quite that's quite a um, Increase there. On our side in, in South Africa, just for the tension um, that's happening, the rand uh, has been a bit wobbly, although it has strengthened back now to it's just under 12 to the dollar. Markets um, we've had this week or this morning, we've opened up at, at negative 1%. So it hasn't been 
uh, tricky in the markets and around currencies. And that hasn't been, you know, due to any South African issues. It's all due to the international um, geopolitical tensions that's been going on. Um, perhaps just as we end off, Des, please could you just uh, let uh, our listeners know why something like uh, a spat that's going on internationally tends to affect us here in South Africa? Because for 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 once in the in in the last uh, couple of months, this is the one business wrap where we can say there aren't a lot of um, political issues locally in South Africa that are affecting the rand. But here we have an interesting situation where an international incident is affecting us yeah you know i was looking looking at it during this week and it's been quite warming that our political space has been actually quite warm uh you know the political parties have warmed up to each other during this week if you read uh the newspapers during the course of the week so that's been great um are issues that, that affect the market, that affect our rent. This time it, it's all um, outside of SA and it, it impacts our, our markets because we have so many international investors and commitment. So whatever happens, you know, in that worldwide space, it's affecting our markets, the JSC, um, the RAND. So even though the RAND is strengthened, it's not because um, you know, there's been issues here. It's that the dollar's also been uh, affected. Um, you know, they, the, the Fed has been looking to see whether they increase uh, interest rates or, or keep them the same, um, looking at decreasing. That all affects um, the RAND. And it's also because we have so many international investors in, in SA. So, you know, they all have um, a part to play and, and they all have. Uh, investments here. That was us on the line with Desiree Ragibia, our financial expert. She is a financial planner with BDO Wealth Advisors, giving us a roundup of the week's business and economics news. As you heard right there, the big issues that are going on at the moment is that uh, South Africa has actually reached 100 million uh, transactions, individual transactions in terms of our banking industry. And then we have the World Bank giving some positive comments about SA's uh, economic growth. And then lastly, um, it seems that uh, the little spat that's going on currently between Trump and Putin, that's the President of the United States and the President of Russia, is affecting our RAND in a little bit of a way. So, on the other side of this, we're going to be getting into our discussion around the issue of um, what does it mean to have a 100 RAND in your pocket as we get into our Buffalo Index. More justice on the business bars. We just came from giving you our business wrap with Desiree Ragibia from uh, BDO Wealth Advisement. Uh, but continuing with the wealth, uh, today we are going to be focusing in our Buffalo Index on the issue of wealth. And in studio, I have my producer, Tlingyue, uh, here. How are you, Tlingyue? I'm good, thank you, Madiwa. How are you doing? Ah, no, no, I'm alive. I'm well. I'm just very interested in the state of my 100 rand today. What do you have for me? Awesome. So today I'm here to assist you as well as our listeners to create their own wealth. Uh, uh. And we have three ways in which they can do it. Okay. Um, the first being that they have the option of starting their own business. Yeah. And um, they can register via CIPC and the registration costs 175 rand, which is 1.75 of our index. Yeah. But it's still fair. It is. Yeah. It seems feasible. <laughs> and then yeah. the second option is 
they can invest in other businesses. Yeah. So if you've ever seen businesses that are already booming and doing really well, like your Discoveries, your Woolworths, your Mr. Prices, and you thought to yourself, I want a share in that business, you have the option of doing that, and you can do that through sites like Easy Equities. Yeah. And you can actually invest from a small amount of 250 rand up to 100 really? yes okay. and up to 640,000 rands so that's 2.5 of our index to 640 times our index and then the third option which hmm. is the option that people like to use the least <laughs> and that's saving ah hard hard very yes. hard yes. yes so if you can spare Monies from expenditures like your entertainment and spare them and save. Mm. Save and you have options like Capitech, which on a flexible account gives you 5% return on your investment. Yeah. And which is 5 rands for every 100 rand or 50,000 rands for every million. Mm. And if it's fixed for the more disciplined among us, you can have a return of 9%, which is 9 rands for every 100 rand or 90,000 rands for every million rands. So start sound, today. That sounds like a good deal. It does, it okay. does. Start today. If, if you don't mind my asking, yes. which of the three would you be more inclined to? You know, if, you know, I, I think I would be more around the 1 million rands <laughs> since I have such deep pockets. <laughs> I'll be saving at 9% return. Yeah. But to, to be honest, I, I feel like all the, the different options are are feasible and attainable and it's just a matter of finding what suits you best if you risk averse then you can go for the fixed options like myself yeah. and if you're somebody who actually is um, you know uh, not afraid of risk you can go into the investments and um, um, side of things and they probably will be greater returns okay now I hear you I hear you for me personally I think uh the CIP registration is definitely the most attractive. That's it. In terms of the in terms of our index, it's the one that costs the least. Yes. Uh, just under two buffaloes, and then I have my company registration, and then I can work to build my million rand company. Unlimited, <laughs> unlimited. You can be the next Facebook, next Uber, next Airbnb, you name it. And that's it for today. Thank you so much to our producer Tlingwe for coming through and just giving us some knowledge about how you can create your own wealth using your 100 rand uh, you heard right there that you can either register your own company or you can invest in another company or you can get into some fixed investing so that's it in terms of our buffalo index for today on the other side of this we're going to get into our main topic for today and today we are talking about wealth uh, we have a millionaire in the building we have uh, some fact checkers in the building and together with some financial advisors keep it locked this is the business buzz you're tuned in to the business buzz Today on The Business Buzz, we're talking about the issue of wealth. What does it actually mean to be wealthy? Um, what do you think of wealth? What do South Africans think of wealth? What are some of the implications of being wealthy in South Africa from an economics point of view? How do you define wealth? Who is a millionaire? What is a millionaire? These are some of the questions that we're here to tackle. And we hope that by the end of the show today, you will have a better understanding of what it means to be a high net worth individual in South Africa. Definitely make sure you keep the conversation going. On Facebook we are Vow FM, that's the voice of Vids, and we have our own Facebook page, that's The Business Buzz. And then on Twitter you can find us, that's at Vow FM, and then our hashtag is hashtag Business Buzz. As we get into our topic, we started off by just going out on the streets. Our producers wanted to just uh, find out what do 
you as our listeners as South Africans think about the issue of wealth in South Africa here's what they had to say my definition of a rich person would be somebody who is financially stable enough to see to their own needs basic needs and also see to luxuries so be able to do luxury things and also have a balance between the kind of person they are so basically if you're a good person you're rich in heart so oh and the amount that I think would be maybe like Hundred thousand rand a month. My definition of a, of a rich or wealthy person is a person who who can make money, who has ideas, who can implement them, not ideas. Honestly speaking, if I had uh, maybe ten cents. I would say I would be enough because I think I can make a lot more than that. I think different fields have different um, pay scales as well. So I do think sort of like your value to what you would say is rich and what's not rich would change. For instance, a soccer player would get much more than a nurse. So I do think in that essence, a soccer player would be more rich. I basically also think that... You know, if I just had about 7 million in my bank account, 10 million, just so I can buy a house, you know, whenever I want to, I would like that. And also just buy a car. My definition of a rich person uh, doesn't necessarily depend on the amount of money that you earn. It's actually a person, if you can actually afford what you want, that's what it means to me. So a definition of being rich for me is a person who's giving up to people. The amount that you have, it doesn't matter, actually. Um, I think if you have money and you can afford, like, all the things that you want in, like, in the world, mm-hmm. that okay. means you're rich. I want a Rolls Royce and you want a Polo Vivo and you can afford a Polo Vivo and I can afford a Rolls Royce. That means we're both rich. A rich person is someone who can afford to pay for all of their expenses, like you can buy a car, a house and all of that and still have money left over to like fly to Paris or whatnot. And I'd consider myself rich if I had, let's say minimum 5 million in my bank account, maximum, okay money has no maximum. So that's how I'd know I'm rich. So a definition of a rich person is someone who can afford their own bags, you buy waves, nails, you flick, basically you flick and um, I'll say that in a bank account you should have a minimum of 5,000 rent a month. Yeah. We are talking about wealth today on the Business Buzz and in studio we are joined by Kate Wilkinson who is a senior researcher at Africa Check which is a fact-checking organization housed right here at the Vitz, uh, at the Vitz building here in Bramfontein. How are you Kate? Very well, thank you for having me. I'm alright, I'm alright. I think for as a point of departure, what is Africa Check and what uh, do you guys do there? So Africa Check is a fact-checking organization and we were the first of the kind to be launched in Africa. Yeah. What we do is we fact check claims in the public domain with the aim of improving accuracy in public debate mm-hmm. because it's important that our beliefs, our opinions and our perceptions are informed by fact because <laughs> we often make a lot of important decisions based on that information. Yeah. And apart from fact checking, so letting you know whether a politician is right or wrong in a certain number, we also produce guides and fact sheets to help not just journalists but members of the public and really anyone understand and discuss and debate important issues accurately. So a few of the things we've done is we've produced fact sheets on poverty in South Africa, Mm. how we measure the middle class in South Africa, and the last fact sheet that we've produced is a fact sheet on wealth in South Africa. 
and how it's measured and what it tells us. I feel that, uh, that the, the, your fact sheets are exactly what we're looking for. Uh, so for us to begin, I'm sure our listeners would be interested to know how, when you guys are producing, let's say, your, your wealth fact sheet, how do you guys define what wealth is in South Africa? So wealth is generally considered to be um, the result of when you work out the economic resources that a person has access to. Yeah. And a generally accepted way to do it is you take all the assets which are owned by a household or by an individual, you minus the value of all of the liabilities and what you're left with is considered to be a person's wealth. And that can either be positive or negative depending on your financial situation. And this sounds like a relatively easy calculation to do. <laughs> um, it might not be one you want to do, yeah. but uh, it can be a bit tricky when you have to go find that information. It's easy to do yourself, but if you're a researcher or you're an academic trying to figure out how wealthy a country is, yeah. You have to get certain bits of information to be able to do this calculation, and that's where it can get a bit tricky. And so about that, in terms of uh, actually measuring the wealth, you've given us the calculation that you use, but do you have any other measures that you use? Because um, in your definition, you said economic resources. Mm. So are you just using, let's say, land, businesses? Mm. How do you guys, what do you guys take into account? So there are a lot of different things which can be taken into account, and it depends on what researchers or academics are looking to measure. But assets that can be included can be things like financial assets, like cash and stocks, or they can be non-financial assets, like you mentioned, land and real estate. And what you want to measure will determine what you calculate um, and what you include, but then also what different sources of data you go to to include mm. in your, your research. And in terms of uh, sources of data, I like the fact that you bring that up because um, you said earlier on that you guys use information that's in the public mm. domain. Um, but I'm sure sometimes you actually have to, in some cases, either ask people um, because the I'm sure our listeners would be interested to know how sensitive are people to actually disclosing how much wealth they have, whether it's privately or in the public domain. Uh, are companies actually stating the real facts about how much land, buildings, assets they own, or are people you know trying to hide mm. this stuff? So first of all, we Africa Check doesn't conduct any of this primary research itself. Yeah. We use uh, studies and information that are in the public domain, but yeah. of course those studies have to be conducted. And like you mentioned when it comes to a sensitive topic like wealth, people are often a bit wary, cautious or downright <laughs> terrified of disclosing to a survey, someone conducting a survey to a researcher exactly what their finances say. Yeah. And a lot of that concern can be based on the fact that they think that information is going to get out and the tax man is going to come knocking and say, actually, you owe me a bit more money. So when it comes to survey data, that's something that you need to take into consideration. The second thing is that in South Africa, we have quite a small group of extremely wealthy people. Mm. Very, very, very wealthy people. And because they're such a small group, when surveys do their random sampling to get a representative sample of the country to survey and to get results which reflect the country, there's quite a good chance that those very, very wealthy people, because there's so few of them, they won't be selected in the sample, which wow. means their extreme wealth is going to be excluded. So researchers often have to put in a lot of extra effort to make sure that they include those and find those very wealthy people so that their results are actually accurate and and show what's happening in the 
I like the fact that you are talking about uh, income distribution right now and perhaps you could just shed some light on what does that actually look like in South Africa at the moment. So we can start bigger picture because a lot of the data we have doesn't allow us to drill down into the details to differences when it comes to race and sex and qualification. Um, but when we look at big picture in South Africa, the latest estimate we have from Credit Suisse was that in 2017, the total net wealth of all South African adults was around 9 0.5 trillion rand but what's really important to mention is that the vast majority of South Africans were estimated to actually fall into the lowest wealth category yeah. in that survey. So what we saw was that 68% of South African adults had assets that were lower than 117,000 rand. If we want to look at the other end of the spectrum, so looking at the, the wealthiest, <laughs> yeah. um, there, there are a few of them and what we see from that report is that South Africa can boast to having 58,000 adults, which represents 0.2% of the population who are identified as dollar millionaires. And 84,000 South Africans are wealthy enough that they would be considered in the top 1% of global wealth holders in the world. That is a crazy, a very interesting numbers coming out from there. For our listeners who might want to actually uh, read the full documents for themselves, where can they find them? So all of this information is available on our website and that's africacheck.org. We have a variety of, of resources. We have these fact sheets, we have guides and we have reports. You can all also follow us on Twitter at africacheck where we tweet all our information, we interact with our listeners uh, and most importantly, if listeners see a claim or hear something said in the public domain that they think sounds a bit dodgy and they think needs to be interrogated, they can get in touch with us, they can ask us to fact check it and we'll help them sort from fiction. So that's it. We're talking to Kate Wilkinson, who is a senior researcher with Africa Check. And as she said, if you hear some interesting claims in the media and you think that is not true, uh, definitely make sure you hit them up. They are active on Twitter, and you can also go and uh, see some of their some of their fact sheets uh, that are available on AfricaCheck.org. And then you can just see for yourself uh, what's going on, either in terms of income distribution. They have reports on wealth. They have reports on um, the middle class in South Africa as well as uh, the rest of the economics information that you might be interested in. So I'm very interested in that and I think what was crazy for me there was just the disparity um, in the wealth especially between um, lower income and upper income and we're going to be talking to an upper income individual on the other side of this. Keep it locked. This is The Business Buzz. More justice on The Business Buzz. We're talking wealth right here on the Business Buzz on today's show. And we just came from uh, giving you some statistics around uh, income distribution in South Africa, um, how Africa Check is defining um, what is uh, who is rich and some of the measurements that they have around that. But we just thought that it would benefit everyone to hear from someone who is actually a millionaire. On the line, we are joined by Albert Van Fyke, who is uh, 25 years old. And yes, he is a millionaire. He is a tra he is trained as an industrial engineer and owns three small businesses in the fields of uh, rentals and sales, website and brand development services, as well as property investing. He is the author of the book How to Become a Millionaire at 22 that tries to teach financial success in practical ways. And he is one of the country's youngest millionaires. How are you, Albert? 
Fine, thank you. It's great being on the show, and I'm um, looking forward to what you're going to talk about. <laughs> I think uh, as as we <laughs> as, as we begin our discussion, uh, this must be the question that you get the most, uh, and probably with good reason. But in a nutshell, how did you do it? <laughs> so for that you need to buy the book <laughs> How to Become a Millionaire 22 <laughs> But um, in a nutshell It starts with a mindset change It starts with thinking differently about finance Because most of our parents you know, are in a, Well my parents in my case Was in a very low income mindset In a low income state So they weren't you know, financially educated well enough and we need to change that mindset to not think and operate in a low mindset, but to change and learn by, you know, taking in content and knowledge, you know, to enrich your mind and to change your mindset in order to work from a different mindset. So I started by reading all of the books from the, you know, international entrepreneurs and read books, read books, read books, and then I started small businesses implementing these things that I read and learned and then learn from that, learn from experience and then try again, implement again and so long and so long. And eventually my businesses grew, I got a lot of capital and I, you know, from these businesses and I took the next step, which was property investment. So start small with the business, implement, learn, implement, learn and keep on expanding your mindsets and gaining knowledge. Um, taking the correct content. Um, I like the fact that you're talking about um, talking about a mindset and what it meant to come uh, from a position where you didn't have much capital. What are some of the other techniques um, and financial principles that you think young people would benefit from, especially people, because you know a lot of people think that money makes money and that you need capital. So for those that don't have capital, (laughs) what are some of the ways that you can actually change that mindset and actually do the most with what you have? Yeah, so so the first thing I need to do, as I said, is taking in better content. Um, You know, um, watching videos and listening to podcasts and things that talks to, uh, you know, financial tools and tips and techniques. It's because if you can get those techniques and tools um, right, then you can start creating money and creating wealth for yourself. And um, I think the one financial principle that I always talk about with students is don't spend Okay, the little bit of money that you get, even if it's a small little bit, don't spend it. I always talk about a rabbit farm. So if there's one rabbit in the farm, it can't really get more, right? If there's two rabbits, even if it's just two, it will quickly become four and then six and then eight and then 10. Eventually have 20 rabbits. But if you take all 19 rabbits out again and you're only stuck with one rabbit, it won't grow. So leave all of your rabbits in the pen and they will do what they naturally do and increase, increase. So don't spend, take the little bit of money that you have. When I was on Varsity, after I bought my first property, I drove an old vintage car with no aircon in the summer, no heater in the, win- uh, in the winter. You know, I didn't spend my income. I invested it back into businesses and just grew it. 
Um, Albert, it seems that your journey in terms of uh, creating wealth for yourself has been centered quite a lot on entrepreneurship, um, having businesses, growing them, and then reinvesting in those businesses. But what about for the people that say that um, they're not inclined to start their own businesses, they don't want to be business owners? Is there hope for those people? Uh, definitely. You see, the thing is, I, I speak to people then that say, I'm not a business person. You know, I'm not inclined to do that. But the thing is that all of us need to deal with money. No matter, you know, what you do, if, if you're an artist, you still need to put food on the table. You still need to buy pencils and paint. You still need to buy canvases in order to do your art on. If you want to save penguins in Antarctica, <laughs> you need a plane. You need a team to take care of the penguins. You need tools and food for the penguins. So you're going to need money, no matter what you do, and no matter what your passion is, and you know what your talent is, and what you're inclined to do. So my my advice is for everyone to start teaching themselves about financial concepts by beginning read books and taking in content because we don't learn how to invest or how to make money in school or university. So we need to teach ourselves these financial concepts. And and that is important no matter what you do or who you are. Um, even if you feel that you're not inclined to be an entrepreneur, to be a successful businessman, I think you should still get the financial concepts right in order to create wealth for yourself so that you don't have time and financial constraints and so that you can live your passion without having to take a day job at McDonald's to put bread on the table. Um, Albert, I want to bring you. I want to bring you back to something that you were talking about earlier on when you spoke about how young people should be disciplined with their money and they shouldn't just be spending it on everything. And to say, in your case, uh, you said that you became a millionaire at 22. Were you not tempted to actually splurge that money? Um, maybe buy a car, maybe buy a house or something. Um, how did you discipline yourself? and how can um, other young people learn to discipline themselves? It is so important. Obviously, the temptation is all of my friends driving new cars, you know, and then you actually have the capital to do that because of your businesses and properties, but saving it and reinvesting it, rather driving my old vintage car, like I said. And the, the way I did it is focusing on the end goal. So my end goal is to become financially independent so that I can do what I want to do and do what I have to do on planet Earth without financial or time constraints. Because mm. if you're working at that job, you're always going to have a time constraint. You're always going to have a nine to five that you need to take care of. And if you don't have capital, you're always going to have financial constraints. So you won't be able to tour the world or do what you want to do. So my goal is to become financially independent. And it's not a once-off thing. It's not a benchmark like a million rand. It's more a lifestyle that you need to create for yourself that generates income for you. And that was my end goal. So keeping focus on the end goal rather than the instant gratification of your current situation is key. And that takes discipline. But take a picture of your end goal and put it against your wall and put it as a wallpaper on your phone or your laptop 
and focus on that so that it holds you accountable. When you have to buy that burger or that shoe that you don't really need, you know, or a quick you know, night with the guys, then you look at that picture on your phone or laptop or wall and you say, I'm working for that and I'm not going to do this now because I'm focusing on the end goal. And then... I like I like I like what you're saying because it uh, it challenges a lot of notions that people have. But I think something yes. that our <laughs> listeners would then be curious about, uh, because you're talking about being financially free, uh, then allowing yourself to do what it is that you actually want to do. Do you have a number in mind um, where you can say that if I was to get to this number, that is enough for me? Um, because is there a number in your head that you would say, if I was to get to this number, then I'm done? See, that's a very, very difficult question. Question, Because as you live in life, that number constantly changes. So in the beginning, it was a certain number. And as my lifestyle started to increase, that number increased. It is important to be able to live the lifestyle that you want without financial or time constraints. So when you're content with the type of lifestyle that you're living without having to have a day job or without having time constraints in that sense, then I think you've arrived at the point where you want to be. But it is important to measure your wealth not to a certain number, but to the type of lifestyle you can live without having to go to work. So that's why I'm talking about financial independence and financial freedom, um, because you need to have that income that is not connected to your time, but can take care of you even if you want to go on a world tour around the world. And that is the number you need to, to get in your head. What is your monthly amount that you need to live the lifestyle that you want? But the issue is, as, you, as I said in the beginning, that, that lifestyle or that number increases as you progress through life. And in the beginning, you're a student, uh, then you're married, so now that number increases again, then you want kids, then that number increases again, then I want to go to varsity, so there's a lot of things that can increase that number all the time. So no, I do not have a fixed number, but I have a fixed lifestyle and lifestyle goals that I want to get to, and that determines the number. I like that very much, and then, uh, but as uh, we end off, uh, my last question to you is, what are you reading at the moment? At the beginning of this interview, you spoke uh, at length about how you were reading and how you uh, were downloading the knowledge of people that have gone before you. So at the moment, what are you reading and what would you recommend others to be reading at the moment? Who are some of your favorite writers? Okay, great. Well, the first book I will recommend is my own book, How to Become a Millionaire. <laughs> I think I take all of the concepts and dumb it really down. So it's easy to understand and it's a thin book. Um, but then I would say, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's a good book to start with from Robert Kiyosaki. And um, read Rules of Wealth from Richard Templar. And, you know, read Think and Grow Rich. Um, uh, yeah, there's a lot of books that you can read. Um, I'm, I'm currently busy with The uh, Richest Man in Babylon. That's the one I'm reading now. Um, but there's a lot of content you can take in to form your mindset and to put you in the correct state of mind in order to start creating income. 
Thank you so much, Albert. Uh, we really have appreciated this. I think for me, my biggest takeaway uh, was just the issue of designing a lifestyle before you actually then um, have an income goal. Because if you have a lifestyle, then your lifestyle is going to inform um, the actual income that you need to sustain mm-hmm. that lifestyle. Yes, I think it's so important to enable ourselves to live life like we should. I mean, the the, the years of tomorrow, the athletes of tomorrow, the business uh, inventors of tomorrow would not be able to do that if they have to go and work a day job. They need to be able to enable themselves um, by becoming financially independent to you know live their passion and live their dream and make a change in this world. And the only way we're going to do that is by eliminating the financial constraints. And that's why we need to, you know, change our mindset on wealth. That was us on the line with the businessman and author. We're talking to uh, Albert von Feich, who is 25 years old. He is a millionaire and the author of the book, How to Become a Millionaire at 22. Uh, very practical advice coming through from there. Um, if you didn't uh, catch anything, I think the biggest two things I would uh, recommend people to take away from Albert is the fact that you need to have a lifestyle goal in mind. That's the first thing. And then the other thing is, Reading books, I think uh, the last question, he said at the moment he's reading the book, The Richest Man in Babylon. You need to read books so that you can download the knowledge of people that have gone before you. So that's it from that point of view. On the other side of this, we're going to be talking to a financial planner around the issue of what does it mean to be a high net worth individual? What are some of the financial implications? What should you be investing in? How should you be spending your money? How should you be keeping an eye on your money? Keep it locked. This is the business buzz. You're tuned in to the business buzz. As we round up the show, we want to just get some perspective of some of the financial implications um, that are involved with having a lot of money, uh, being wealthy, being rich, whatever words you want to use for that. And on the line, we're joined by Eric Skippers. He is a financial uh, financial planner, a certified financial planner, sorry, with Standard Bank out in uh, the Border K region, out in East London. And he's going to be shedding some light on what it actually means uh, uh, to be a high net worth individual. How are you, Eric? Hey, Medea, well in yourself. Good to be chatting to the guys up on the high self, uh, <laughs> whether it's down here in East London. So very, very nice. Well, thanks, for, thanks for the invite. Thank you so much. As we begin our discussion, please could you just let our listeners know, in terms of, um, from a, I guess from an industry point of view, when we talk about high net worth individuals, how much money does someone actually need to have? Because this was a question um, that was addressed earlier on when we are talking about the difference between being rich and being wealthy. So in your work, how do you guys um, define a high net worth individual? Well, Madiba, uh, basically, you know, if we're looking at, at high net worth, it means different things to to different different people. Uh, I suppose when you're looking at it, uh, when you're talking about rands, to some people, a million rand might be a lot of lot of money. But generally speaking, when we're looking at ultra high net worth individuals, we're talking about people that have roughly about a million in US dollars, USD terms that is investable, uh, and that's uh, so if you work on an exchange rate of 
13, you're probably looking at about 13 million. And as you can imagine, uh, that does come with a whole host of uh, problems as well. You know, it sounds great, but uh, certainly does cause a lot of stress for these uh, ultra high net worth individuals or high net worth individuals. So what are some of the problems, some of the challenges that actually come with having so much money? Well, one of the, 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 major, the major ones that come in is obviously taxation. You know, somebody that's sitting in that sort of uh, income or has that sort of assets under, under, under management invariably is sitting at a 45% uh, tax bracket. So if you factor in taxation and inflation, the two of them, it actually becomes quite difficult for them to beat uh, inflation on an after-tax basis. So, so certainly, you know, they, they're not adverse to paying tax, but, but nobody wants to pay more tax than what is actually due. And I think the other big thing is, you know, um, other than, than taxation, from our point of view, is the estate planning side, side, side of things. You know, the day that you, you pass on, you've deemed to have disposed of those assets, which is capital gains tax. But then also in terms of the uh, current uh, legislative environment, assets exceeding three and a half million rand uh, in your personal capacity, subject to a state duty of uh, another uh, 20%. So if you factor in capital gains tax and the state duty, you could literally lose 30 to 35% of your, your estate to, to revenue services, which ultimately you would prefer to go to your to your family. So, you know, uh, structuring of somebody's affairs from an estate planning point of view, that's where basically we, we look at the world, uh, we look at the liquidity, in other words, the cash within an estate, to make sure that we can settle those, 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 those debts and that they're not forced into a situation of liquidating uh, assets to, to fund that, that the ordinary would, would not want it. So hypothetically, somebody that's sitting with 13 million might be sitting with all these assets in a property. But SARS doesn't want a property, SARS wants cash. So again, there you could be sitting in a situation of having to foresell uh, those assets to meet those, meet those costs. Would you say that the legislation at the moment that we are talking about, is it punishing high net worth individuals? What is the, what is the incentive for a person to want to get to 13 million rand if they know that once they get there, they're going to have to give a lot of their money over to government in terms of taxes? Well, well, I think basically, you know, certainly taxation, you can get to a point where high taxation is most certainly a disincentive to continue or, or to exceed that particular uh, uh, tax bracket. But we must uh, concede that in a country like South Africa that's relatively young by, by international standards, you know, uh, we, 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 we don't have... We, unfortunately, we've got to tax the higher, higher income income earners. There's a massive social responsibility towards the other people out, out there. But again, I think from a taxpayer's point of view, you know, they, they've got no problem paying tax, provided it is employed in the right direction and it's going to those who, who are less fortunate and need it. But I think this is where, you know, we, we, we bombard it in the media each and every day around issues pertaining to corruption and mismanagement of funds. And the problem that we sit with that, those sort of high net worth uh, taxpayers 
You know, we live in a global community now, and it's easy for them to to move cross border and set up elsewhere. So, you know, it's it's it's, it's the, the thing is to try and expand this tax base and uh, to to increase the number of of, of taxpayers. And hopefully down the line we can reduce the amount of tax uh, that we that we pay at the at the higher at the higher levels. But as the old saying goes, it is what it is, and uh, you know we've got it. And that's why tax structuring becomes so important: is to try not pay any more tax than you than you than you have to. So we're firm believers, you know, give to Caesar what's due to Caesar, but not a not a penny penny more. So tax is a big part of of the equation and how to minimise that 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 tax that tax effect. But I think if you look at it in, from an international point of view, if you're a non-resident in the United States of America, and I was sitting with, say, 500,000 US dollars invested into their stock market, I'm also subject to uh, CITES tax. Now, CITES tax in the United States, which is equivalent of, say, state duty, you're going to pay 40, 40% on the amount over and above 60, uh, you know, $60,000. So, you know, it's all kind of you, you on the other side of the things, you're also paying quite hefty, hefty taxes. But again, it's like structuring your tax affairs to minimise that, that tax effect, as it were. Um, lastly, Eric, as we end off this segment, can you give uh, our listeners, because we have a lot of young listeners um, in this VITS community and a lot of young professionals that are listening right now, uh, what are some of the um, financial pitfalls from a planning point of view that they can maybe start implementing now just as they get out of university that will serve them well as they start making more money in 10, 20 years' time? Basically, the first the first place that I would start, and I think there's you know a huge lack of lack of education is is to do a budget. You need to know where your where your money is going, and so so often we end up wasting money, spending money, uh, and you need to know exactly where it's going. And it's important to stick to to a budget, and you've got it quite simply. You've got to make sure that on a monthly basis, more comes in than goes out. If the converse applies where more is going out that's going in, you enter the debt, the, the debt spiral. And the debt spiral is something very, very, very difficult to, to, to get out. So, uh, you know, when I'm talking to younger folk, I talk about uh, financial discipline, applying financial discipline from, from a, 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 young, a young age. The other thing is that I would say to, to, to younger people as well is get into the habit of paying yourself first. So, so often what people do is they pay themselves last. So I'll give you an example, a brilliant, brilliant book that was written um, recently. I picked it up at one of the airports called The Richest Man in Babylon. And basically what he did of his uh, money that came in each and every month, the first 10% he'd pay himself. The other 20% you would use for covering, cover, you know, sorting out debt, and the other 70% you would use to live off. In other words, normal, normal living, living expenses. And if you could stick to a formula along those, those bases, on, on that basis, you should probably do quite well into, into the future. The problem is the, it's that debt, the, 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 the contributions towards debt where the bulk of your, your income goes into. So if you can stick to a formula, a very simple formula along those lines, 10% I mean is money that you put into unit trusts 
or something along those lines and, and, and then start building up a fund uh, for, for yourself one day. Obviously a youngster that's just finishing varsity, the world is oyster, he's obviously going to chop and change jobs a few times. Unit trust is a great way to, to, to go about it. But rather sooner than later, start looking towards saving towards your retirement. Retirement annuities are, are a great vehicle. Uh, I know that young people think that retirement is something that's over the horizon a long, long time away. But, you know, dealing with uh, retirees, all of them wish they'd put a lot more money away and they can't believe how quickly that day, that, that day comes. So it's all about financial discipline at the end of the day and, and budgeting. Thank you so much. That was us on the line with Eric Skippers, who is a certified financial planner with Standard Bank out in East London in the Border K region. Just giving us a um, some insight into what it means to be a high net worth individual in South Africa. As you heard right there, you need to be planning right now for your retirement uh, because your retirement, it might seem like it's 40 years away, but it might it's going to come sooner than you expect. You also need to keep um, an eye on what's coming in and what's going through the means of a budget and uh, the rule of thumb is that you definitely need to make sure that there's more coming in than there is going out. On the other side of this we end off our show. Keep it locked this is The Business Buzz You're tuned in to The Business Buzz that brings us to the end of our wealth show today on the business bus. Uh, we're talking about the issues of wealth. What does it mean to be wealthy in South Africa? What are some of the financial implications? What are the income distributions um, of wealthy people? Um, what does it mean to be a wealthy person? What is it like to actually have to actually have that money in your pocket? And I hope that we've been able to actually shed some light on what this is. I know that this is something that a lot of people aspire to, and we hope that we can definitely help you in terms of planning for the day uh, when you reach your financial um, when you reach your financial goals your financial success those particular financial milestones so that's it for wealth Um, tell us what you think are you wealthy uh, would you want to come on the show and relate your experience to us? Otherwise, are you aspiring to wealth? And what steps are you taking uh, to actually become wealthy? If you listen to our uh, Buffalo Index earlier on, we are talking about some of the ways in which you can actually become wealthy, such as investing in other companies, starting your own company, or in terms of uh, fixed investments. So just let us know what you think. On social media, you can find us. We are Vow FM, uh, Voice of Vids, and then we uh, you can also find our own Facebook page that's The Business Buzz and then on Twitter we are at VowFM and then we have our own hashtag that's hashtag Business Buzz on WhatsApp that's 0840784912 and then uh, za is where you can stream us live so definitely make sure you don't turn that dial and then the last thing is that remember that there will be a podcast of The Business Buzz show that's available on vits.journalism .co.za So with that, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, thank you to our amazing team, our executive producer Alma Schutz, together with our production team um, comprised of 
Tlingi Wezondo and Lerato Mapela. Our technical producer is Kotlano Serame. Don't miss the business bus same time, same place next week for more insight into the world of business. Next up on VAW FM, we have Life Beats with Diema and Bongi. Don't turn that down. As I keep saying, VAW FM is the place to be. From myself, Mdiwa Mob, Justice Gavaza, and the rest of the team, it's good evening and take care. Mob Justice on the Business Bars. Listen to the Business Buzz every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Only on Power FM. The Business Buzz Podcast.